Hey, I'm Green. And I'm Gort. This is the Kiss Communication Podcast where we listen to bad concept albums. Yeah. Can we listen to like a good concept album as a bonus episode? No, that would that would be too good for our psyche. Can we can we listen to like Wider Shade of Pale or whatever? Can we listen to the cover up? Procol Harum. You ever listen to Procol Harum? No. Is it good? Yeah, they're like they're from like this sounds like they were listening to a lot of Procol Harum. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, Procol Harum. Harum. Yeah, this also thematically feels a lot like a lot of early power metal concept albums in terms of like the ground it's covering. It's just doing it in like the lamest possible way. Yeah. I agree. Uh, you want to get right into it? You seen the the Japanese only cover? It looks pretty cool. Yeah, uh, the Japanese only cover makes it look like an actual Kiss album. Uh, which I think is probably more appropriate, actually. Honestly. Yeah. Um, track <laughs> one, Fanfare. Uh, this is just an instrumental intro. It's got flutes and horns. It sounds like the like the intro to a to like a title card in a in a film because the whole premise of the album is that it's a film that it's doesn't that. exist. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this album's called Music from the Elder, by the way. I don't think we ever mentioned that yet. Have we not? So bad we forgot the title. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's just like, all right. It's just, it, it, it's just, I mean, it sets the tone for what this album is supposed to be, I guess. It's got Bob Ezrin, right? It, like, obviously kind of, like, throwing back towards, like, Destroyer. Yeah, it's got, yeah, there's a lot of orchestral stuff on here. It definitely wants to be Destroyer-esque, but it's Which just, like, it just doesn't the, land. The orchestral stuff isn't bad, it's just not utilized well. No, yeah, it's very... It, it sounds like... Like, of course, the like American Symphony Orchestra, or whatever, like the New York Philharmonic, or whatever the fuck they use, is going to sound good. Yeah, like it's... But, yeah, exactly. But when it's like, behind some really shitty Peter Chris vocals. His vocals on this album are awful. Oh, also, I listened to the remaster, and apparently the the track order is different (laughs) on the remaster. So, uh, that's... Hmm. We're gonna have a fun time with that. Um. Okay. Yeah. That's nice. Uh, the remaster definitely seems to be like more in order for what it's supposed to be, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like the original has the fanfare as the second track. Yeah, and the oath is the first one, and Odyssey is like way at the end. Uh, yeah, that's that's strange. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is this um, the first um, Eric Carr album? I think so, yeah. Okay. Um, so we'll Peter Chris's replacement. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it is. 
Okay. Yeah. Good for him. All right. Um, the first real song on this album, in the order that it is on the remaster, because uh, that's what I listened to, not knowing that uh, apparently that is completely different. Um, so the first, the first real track on the remaster is "Just a Boy," which is about uh, the part of Star Wars where Luke Skywalker is on the farm, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um paul stanley is doing like a really bad falsetto it's awful it's really really (laughs) bad it's grating it's it's the worst there's like some sort of interesting like guitar stuff with bells in the background at the very start that stuff like like you could have just had like a few like songs that set the tone and then you let ace freely just sort of jam and do instrumental stuff for a while yeah that would be awesome if this was an instrumental album, it would be much better. Yeah, like just let Ace Freely do his thing. So, uh, one of the notes I put down for Just a Boy is uh, what if Yes made a Kiss album? But it's like, what if Yes made a Kiss album in the sense that a Kiss album is uh, a step Bad. down from what Yes usually makes? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and my other note for this song is this is agonizing. It's bad. It's this bad. album is, is rough. This is apparently the worst received Kiss album. Good. <laughs> right behind, like, Hotter Than Hell. <laughs> no, yeah, Hotter Than Hell for some reason people didn't like, which is weird because that's, like, one of our favorites. It's so It's got Parasite on it. Yeah. How can you not like Otter Than Hell? Yeah, I was like singing that in the car the other day. Um, it's good. It's it's a great good song. song. Good song. Pitchfork gave it a zero out of ten. This album. Yeah, that's about what it is. That's about right. That's maybe a little harsh. The instrumentals are fine. They're not inspiring or anything, but they're not bad. <clears throat> uh, the next track is Odyssey. Um. I'm, I think Gene Simmons. No, it was, I think it was Paul Stanley doing the vocals on this. Uh, my note for this is like it's it's very like space themed. It's sort of like a ballad about heroism or something. Uh, there's yeah, a fade out. There's, not there's much. a fade out at the end, and there's a piano. That's that's the song. That's it. That's Odyssey. Yeah. Next song. Oh, wow. The next song is Only You, uh, which I described as the musical version of a 4 out of 10 popcorn flick. Yeah. <clears throat> this is... What does Only You are the man-child? You are the light and you are the way. What does that mean? Uh, I'm assuming they're referring to man-child in like a weird fantasy sense and not in the modern uh, giant baby man sense. (laughs) 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 Uh, There's like some... They do the thing uh, where... They they do the trick where you play vocals backwards, put reverb on them, and then play them forwards again so the reverb is in reverse at the start of each like syllable. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not good though. That's that's about as inspired as this album gets vocally, um, which is to say, not very. 
the one thing that's kind of neat is this track directly transitions into Under the Rose, which is the next track on the album. Yeah. Uh, Kiss <clears throat> did a thing. They did it. Under the they, Rose they... is a Gene Simmons song. It's the best song on this album, I think. Yeah, which is saying something because it's still bad. It's like Gene Simmons can make like very cheesy, like fantasy ass like lyrics that just kind of work. Yeah. But they also are like the more you hurt, the less you feel the pain, and the more you change, the more you stay the same. <laughs> Vocally, he's kind of doing something different with this, and there's like a choir in the background that gets into like chanty stuff, and that's yeah. Kind of I really cool. like I really like how this song sounds. Like this is the one that's that makes me think like, oh, this could be like a cool, um, this, yeah, like this could be like a prog album if they like tried. This could be like a cool insert song in like a movie. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. Um. Uh, there's a big loud vocal swell it happens twice uh do you if you have anything else to say about under the rose no i mean it's like if we're trying to piece together like a a plot for a movie this this song was also written by eric carr Apparently this um, one's the rose is like a secret society of the good guys or something. I read yeah, a little bit about this album, what it's supposed to mean, but it, it's, it's the Jedi or whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, exactly. Um, next up is Dark Light. Uh, it has a cowbell on it. Yeah, you can really hear um, the cowbell the accent in this song. Because yeah. who's on the vocals, right? It's Ace Freely. Like, you can hear the New York. Yeah. Uh, Lou Reed helped write this song. <clears throat> he, yeah. This is maybe the most embarrassing thing that Lou Reed has ever been attached to. That's not true. He did that Metallica <laughs> album. You're saying this is worse than Lulu? It's, it's a contender. I mean... Yeah, it's up there. <laughs> I like Lou Reed, but like, ooh. yeah, this is this is not a great, this is not a, a high water mark for Lou Reed's career. <laughs> we'll say that. Um, <laughs> anything else you want to say about Dark Light? There's like um, nothing. This song is so nothing. Yeah. It's also a pretty low point for Ace Freely. Yeah. Which, this is a low point in general. This whole album. Everything about it. Okay, next up, this is also Lou Reed. Um, a World really? Without Heroes. Yeah. Uh, this is, I believe, the only song from this album that they played at the Unplugged. This song is alright. It's not like it's not egregiously bad. It's got a kind of cool synthy thing going on. Uh, the vocal yeah. delivery on it is terrible. You, they should have gotten Reed to also sing these songs, and it just would have been more interesting. Yeah, Paul Stanley on this song just kind of sounds terrible. I don't know what it is. He just sounds worse than usual. <laughs> like he had a cold that day in the studio or something. Yeah. Um... 
the instrumental is like cool the synthy stuff is cool i can understand why share covered this because it's like probably right up her alley in terms of uh the the themes and the instrumental but uh this is this is this is not still not very i wonder good. i bet the share cover is probably leagues better than this is I would imagine. So. Well, yeah, because it's not like the one of the worst Paul Stanley vocal deliveries of all time, so it has to be, right? Yeah. Uh, so next up is The Oath, which is the first track on the original release of the album, apparently. Which, like, I think didn't soundtrack like, albums do that back then anyways, also? Yeah, it depended on what it was, but yeah. Yeah. Maybe like out of order. Um, it was it was probably more like a compilation than a specific. Yeah, yeah, it was more just to kind of cash in. This wasn't when people would go and buy like a Hans Zimmer soundtrack, you know. I have a uh, I have the original Star Wars on vinyl. Yeah, yeah. This, kinda does, cool. does that? And that's like in order. Fucking... No, that's in like. You have it's like the. It yeah, I think it yeah, is. I mean, I'd imagine George Lucas was probably pretty anal about that too. That's true. That's yeah. true. Um, so the oath, uh, it's just a big rock song. Yeah, it's about like being about, a hero. It's about heroism. This whole <clears throat> fucking album is the plot of like the worst like cable TV movie you've ever seen. Yeah. And I don't, that's the thing. I don't think they're trying to make it seem like a bad movie. It just comes off as a bad movie because the album is bad. Because the music is bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's the oath. Next up is Mr. Blackwell. Uh, this song opens with the very bold choice of fart noises. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sort of turn into a bass line. Yeah, but not like... In the fun way, like, like where yeah, you have no. hard bass, like genuine. Yeah, no, it's like, just Gene Simmons. Hell? It's just Gene Simmons playing the bass on like the other side of a wall. <laughs> it's like you put the amp up against the wall and like it's just <laughs> rattling. Um, I guess this is supposed to be like the villain song. Yeah, this is supposed to be like the villain intro. This is your Cruella Deville moment, I guess. Yeah. Um, and you can tell it's Gene Simmons because it is written like a villain song from a Disney movie. Yeah. I'm a yeah. sinner who just loves to sin. I'm a fighter who just loves to win. I am the truth about this crummy hole. There is nothing here that can't be bought or sold. Yeah. It's very, what it's a very Disney villain song, isn't it? Like extremely You're a mean so. one, Mr. Grinch. That wasn't. I don't think that was Disney, but yeah, same idea. You're a victim, <laughs> a real disgrace. You should be banished from the human race. Guitar solo. <laughs> <laughs> I think all of the guitar solos on this were enjoyable. Like on their own, as Ace Freely just doing his thing. Just doing, you know, I, I'll yeah. say that as a positive. They're not like his best guitar solos ever, but they they're fine. You know, yeah. Uh, uh, how how do you feel about Mr. Blackwell? We'll we'll have a toast to the inhuman race. 
Yeah. You know, the, the Inhumans from the from the hit <clears throat> TV series, Inhumans. So then Mr. Blackwell um, transitions into Escape from the Island. Yeah, which, I mean, they encounter the villain and then they do the thing and get away, I guess, is the idea of this. It's just like, a, it's just an Ace Freely jam song. You can tell that Ace Freely wanted to make this like a really thrashy, like, punk song and the rest of the band kind of just held them back. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's supposed to sound like a chase sequence. They even have, like, a drum section that is very, uh, movie-esque. Very Indiana Jones-esque, I would say. Um. It's fine. It's cool. Um, It's a cool little instrumental. My note for this is kiss jamming, parenthesis, badly, parenthesis. There's some cool like percussion stuff on here, and that's that's really about it. And then I, I, uh, this is like uh, your 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 end um, credit and credit your end credits. Yeah, the getting the medals uh, after blowing up the Death Star. Yeah, it's about believing in yourself. I yeah, believe in me. He's got a finger snapping solo. Yeah, it does. It, it does. Um, I wrote, I believe in me turning this record off. <laughs> and then it ends, the finale piece uh, uses, reuses some of the instrumental from uh, Fanfare. And then it leads into like this uh, spoken word section. Yeah, I and mean, it's like it's they're talking about like the kid that is the I'm talking, hero. I'm talking about the main character, yeah. And he's like, is he? He's got he's got the light in his eyes. Yeah, or it's whatever. This album fucking sucks. <laughs> it's so bad. Oh my god, I can't believe I listened to all of this. I probably I turned it off halfway through. I I skipped through like. Most of the songs, I sort of just like scrubbed through half of when I got halfway through them. I don't blame you. Apparently, this fucking like end spoken word section has writing credits for like Ace, Gene, and Paul. Sure. <laughs> Whatever. This album's bad. Don't listen to it. There's no redeeming qualities here. It's are any of these. Are any of these songs going on your tolerable Kiss playlist? No. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Under the Rose. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, God. I'm gonna probably check out the Black Anvil cover, because that sounds way cooler. Yeah. Some of the covers of of these songs sound alright. I just have no fucking interest in this album at all it... 20... we didn't even make it to the 20 minute mark so we we had less to talk about this album than the length of this album yeah this, this, this album was like 40 minutes. minutes yeah yeah um we spent less than 20 minutes talking about it that's how little there is here oh god I, I've I been reading Dune. 
Yeah, you have been reading Dune. I like Dune. Dune's great. Um, how do you uh, how do you feel about Dune? <laughs> like uh, big worm. I haven't gotten. I haven't gotten to the big. Worm. I'm not that far in. Like the big, the big worm eats stuff and poops stuff, and then you you snort the poop and you can see space. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And that's still, like, way more interesting than this fucking album. Yep. I would rather listen to a concept album about Dune. <laughs> I would I would rather listen to a concept album specifically about the internal uh, organs of Dune worms than this. Like, I don't know. Maybe not. That, that's, that might be going a little too far. If the music is good. I, I'm excited. the The soundtrack for the old David Lynch Dune movie is really good. Have you seen the new one? The new movie? No, I haven't yet. I've been meaning to. I guess I'm gonna finish the book first. Yeah. So the soundtrack for the original Dune is by Toto. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think I knew that. Yeah. We should have we should have done that this week. Instead. Yeah. Yeah. Um Hans Zimmer is doing the new one. Apparently there's a there was a recent big 4K Blu-ray release of David Lynch's Dune. Uh I don't have I do have a 4K Blu-ray player. I have a PS5, but uh you know what? I'm good. I've seen that movie before. It's not very good. (laughs) What do you want to talk about now? We have... We can't just put out a 20-minute episode. I played all of Mass Effect 1 last weekend. Why? Uh, Because I did a Renegade playthrough, so it only took me like 10 hours. Okay. Yeah. Renegade's I thought you great. hated Mass Effect, though. I do hate Mass Effect. It hasn't changed my mind yet. Okay. Um, Renegade playthrough, uh, if you haven't done it before, um, basically the way Renegade works is, fuck your dialogue, give me extra money and extra XP for like even approaching me for a conversation. <laughs> so, like... Comparatively, if you do a Paragon playthrough and you just mostly focus on the main content, it can be like 20 to 25 hours. If you do a Renegade playthrough and mostly focus on the main content, it's like 10. That's That shouldn't be the case, I think. The Renegade solution to every problem is to point a gun at it. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> um, I was so stacked up on Renegade points... That uh, when the when the Rex thing happens in like the second to last mission, uh, I could do the impossible renegade resolution to just keep him from dying. I don't know what that. I've never played Mass Effect. I don't know, so I don't so, know what that means. So there's a there's a there's a party member who is uh, part of a race called the Krogan who were essentially sterilized by the Turians after losing a war. Um, okay. And they're sort of like sort of like a proud kind of warrior race. They're these big, like muscular, like triceratops looking dudes. 
and uh, so Rex is one of those. And so you're talking to him, and he's just kind of having a bad time. Uh, he's just a little pissed off. Because uh, you have to fight... So basically, Saren, the main villain of Mass Effect 1, uh, has like um, enlisted a whole bunch of Krogans to fight for him. And so Rex is kind of upset that he has to fight a bunch of Krogans. Uh, right, okay. So you get, you get into this big conflict, and if it goes south, then one of your party <clears throat> members steps in and just shoots Rex in the head. Um, but if you resolve it, uh, there's a couple ways to get around it. There's one where you can be like, sort of, if you're, if you're a paragon, you can be like super sympathetic, you know? And the other one, if you're a renegade, you just shout them down. You're like, all those Krogans, they're all going to get enslaved by Saren. Is that what you want? Do you want to be a slave? (laughs) That's pretty cool. That's like... (laughs) Is that just like the best moment that you got out of out of your renegade playthrough? Uh, sort of. I had some other like really fun one-liners, you know. See, I think I think about this like every time I hear people talk about Mass Effect, I just think about how like New Vegas just does all of that better. Yeah. Previous Bioware com- games completely. do it all better. Yeah, yeah, fucking. Kotor does it better. Fucking Jade Empire does it better. Like, uh, should I should I play Jade Empire? Is it no, good? Does it still no, hold up? No, it doesn't hold up at all. I mean, I Kotor mean, barely holds up either. So yeah, Kot- I, and I it was a struggle for me to get through Kotor. If, if when Kotor I wasn't it. yeah, if Kotor wasn't a Star Wars thing, there'd be like no reason to go back to it. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. So I I, I blitzed through like all of Mass Effect one renegade playthrough uh i'm working on mass effect 2 now um i've been playing a lot of counter-strike global offensive how is that uh i mean it's counter-strike <laughs> yeah it's doesn't fun ch- it's good doesn't, doesn't change a whole lot you know yeah now i'm gonna someone's gonna be mad and they're gonna be like it's changed so much as one point six. yeah 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 Whatever. It's still Counter Strike. What have I been playing recently? Uh, I started Delta Rune. Oh, I've been I've been slowly chipping away at a playthrough of Undertale because I dropped off of it the last time I tried to play through it because it just wasn't that engaging to me. Yeah, it's one of those where it's like, to me, I think those sort of games are better I, taken I, in just like small chunks. I think the premise of Undertale is like way more interesting than the execution, honestly. I think you would like Deltarune then, because I think Deltarune really fixes a lot of things that a lot of problems that I had with Undertale in some of its it sort of expands on them and fleshes some of those systems out in a way that sort of makes it more of a complete product, yeah, especially with the second but, chapter now. But, but- consider that i don't want to miss all the cheeky easter egg references to undertale which my brain worms won't let me do that so i'd have to finish undertale first oh yeah i totally understand the brain worms yeah um I've also i mean there's playing... also just like a bajillion let's plays that you could go watch yeah but then oh. then i'd be thinking about matt pat <laughs> The uh, the Liam and Pat playthrough of it on the old channel is pretty good. I might I might take a look at that. 
Um, I think it was late I've in the been, I've been playing the new Multi Blood still, you know, off and on. That game's pretty good. Uh, KOF 98 got a rollback beta. I don't know if you heard about that. Uh, we talked about it last week. Oh, yeah, I think it was coming out last week. So now it's actually out. You can. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, so if you own KOF 98 Ultimate Match Final Edition on Steam, <clears throat> uh, you can currently, until the end of the month, uh, go into the beta for the 64 bit client with rollback. And uh, let me tell you, KOF 98, really good game. Probably won't... People are going to get mad if I say it's the best <laughs> KOF because people have different opinions. You know, some people like 2002, some people like 14. Yeah. Some completely insane people think 13 is a good game. They're wrong, but they, they can think that. Um, I don't think I've ever touched a KOF game. Uh, 98 is like... 97 and 98 are probably the easiest ones to pick up as a newcomer. Uh, I've probably played those. I mean, I know I've probably I've played a King of Fighters game like in an arcade or at a party or something, but like yeah. I've never like sat down and tried to figure it out or even like try and uh, the the main the main thing KOF does that's like really really distinct. There's a few system things like max mode and whatever that are in most of the games, but the really big thing KOF does that's really distinct is is it has like four different kinds of jumps, which means okay. you can really vary up your approaches and retreats. Interesting. Um, okay. Yeah. So there's like four different like jump lengths basically, because um, you have super jump, hyper hop, jump, and hop. I did play Garou for a bit. Yeah, that game's cool. That game's game more like Fatal Fury, though. Right, right, right. It is Fatal Fury, right? Yeah. It's the... It was called Fatal Fury in Japan, right? Yeah, I believe it was a Fatal Fury sequel um, in Japan. Yeah. Because Garou um, is the, the name of the Fatal Fury series in Japan, if I remember right. Okay, yeah. We've had this conversation. I always get confused. Yeah, Garou Densetsu. Yeah. Um, so when are you going to deep dive into the into the plot of the Blaze Blue games? Um, it's on my list... After I finish Universal Century Gundam, then Ultraman, and then Garo, and then I have to... I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> I got so much shit that I want to, like, deep dive into. I did I did Gundam for a while. I, I, should, I, I like, uh, burnt myself out. <laughs> you, should, you should hit up that Muvlove so you're, you can uh, be ready for the anime that's airing this season. I, I could why would I like what like read Love Love from I still haven't even watched the fucking Evangelion rebuilds. That would I oh, feel like that right. would that would that would be a much more uh I mean you can you can hammer out the rebuilds in like two weekends. You know, watch one Saturday, one Sunday. There's only four movies. Yeah, I have a four day weekend because I have fall break, so I might just actually do that. Just mirror. That's that's what I did when three point plus one point one was like a week out of coming out. Um, I marathoned like all three of them with a friend. I uh, I briefly got 
not into, but I just watched a Hazel video on, like, old RPG Maker horror games. Yeah. And I, like, sort of dived back into that niche for a second. That yeah. was fun. Um, um, those are all very crusty, because RPG Maker is a garbage engine. Yeah, I need to get back into FF14 soon, because Endwalker is coming out. Um... When the Endwalker early access starts, I'll probably re-up my sub and then... Uh, I also bought... I bought a TV this weekend. Yeah? Yeah, I got like a 4K QLED um, TV, 120 hertz. Uh, I'm quite happy about that. I'm going to hook it up to the PS5. Oh, I'm still uh, playing through slowly. Slowly playing through uh, Fire Emblem. The original, like, Game Boy Advance one. Oh, FE7. Not the original. Yeah, FE7. The Blazing yeah, Blade, or whatever. That game's one of my favorites. I think it's, like, legitimately really, really good. They, they picked about, one of the best games to debut the franchise to North America, I think. I'm about halfway through Ellie Wood's quest. Yeah. And I'm struggling a bit. <laughs> I'm not great at, at these strategy games, so I kind of, like, yeah. go off. But I'm trying to get back on. The, the thing that's a strength for it is that it's like a prequel to the previous game so because it launched in the west with like no prior context it was just like oh it's not really it's only connections are being a prequel to a previous game so it's like a pretty good yeah. standalone story but it has a world that feels bigger than than it is right because there's still connections to that previous game I've also been thinking about um, since I have this big weekend just like playing through all the Wario Land games. Oh, that's a good that's a good excuse to do that. Those games are pretty short. I think you can beat them in like 5 or 6 hours per game. Yeah, I bet I probably could. I might I might just like run through all of those real quick. They have some really gorgeous sprite work too. Yeah, I've I've seen. Have you ever played Wario Land? What like that's the first the... one on the Game Boy? No, I mean, uh, Wario, Wario, War, what, which was the one that Treasure developed for the GameCube? Uh, that one, Wario World. It's like a brawler. Okay. Yeah, it's like a 3D platform brawler thingy. Yeah, it's really, really weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, apparently, um,. Uh, apparently it connects to the Wario the f- Is it the first WarioWare? Is this the first WarioWare? Is that why Oh like literally yeah. connects like with yeah, the so Game Boy Advance? If you use the GBA link cable, uh Wario World unlocks mini games early in the GBA game so you don't have to grind for them. Okay. Yeah. That's weird. That's cool. I thought you meant like plot wise they connect. No, like, no, like no. You just, plug, you, just, you just plug it in and it unlocks the mini games early on the on, in WarioWare, which is kind of a cool feature, I guess. They had a lot of that between Game Boy and GBA. I mean, uh, GameCube and GBA. Yeah, well, I mean, they needed a reason to sell the GameCube. Yeah. <laughs> um. What do you are you a are you a treasure fan? Do you like the stuff they've made? I like Ikarga and Sin and Punishment. 
Did they do Ikarigo? Okay, I can watch them, yeah. Let's see. Yeah, that's Treasure. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I should play uh, Sin and Punishment. Yeah, play it and play the sequel on the Wii as well. They're both really good. I, uh, you, can, you can play Sin and Punishment on the N64 Switch collection. That only costs more money on top of your shitty Nintendo Online subscription. I, I bet you... I want, Like, is N64 emulation alright? Yeah, yeah, it's totally fine. There might be some hiccups on low-end systems, but you can pretty much brute force it if you have a good computer. I have a, I have a decent. I mean, I can run. Yeah, N sixty four emulation this. had problems like fifteen years ago. Okay. Yeah, no, it's pretty. It's pretty figured out now. There's still a um, few hiccups here and there. It's not the best emulator, but it's it's fine. Because I mean, I haven't really looked into it too much. Because why would I like? There's only like two games I would want to play on the N sixty four, anyways. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's about, even that's I, about even how I it is. Agree, right? right? Like, the, the N64 is not a great console. It's not it's not a great console. It has really fucked up technical limitations. There's not a particularly great library on it. Like, yeah, sure, you know, if you've never played if you never played like an FPS before, like GoldenEye is pretty cool, I guess, but like if you had a computer at any point in time yeah. before the N64 came out, like and I don't, I don't like 3D platformers that much, so <laughs> I'm kind of, like, I, all of the big games on the N64 are 3D platformers. I, I'm of the uh, somewhat controversial opinion that most of the rare 3D platformers are not very good. Um, the 2D platformer, you know, Donkey Kong Country on the Super Nintendo? Yeah, those games are great, right? Those games are really good. Uh, Donkey Kong Country 64 is a fucking terrible game. <laughs> So, like, in 64, you got F-Zero X. You, I mean, that game's just great. Yeah, so I mean, it's F-Zero. But, I mean... You play, like, you could also just play F-Zero GX and get a better experience if you really wanted to play an F-Zero yeah, game if now. Yeah, if you're going to go back, you might as well just play the best F-Zero, right? Yeah. Or go all the way back to the SNES. <clears throat> yeah. Right, if you really want to um, go back. Um, yeah. You got Paper Mario... Like I love paper, the original Paper Mario. I think it's a great game, and that, that's that about it. All right. Yeah, that's Paper Mario. Right. The the thing the thing about Paper Mario is that, like there's nothing really special about the N64 that enables Paper Mario. No, no, it's not. <laughs> it's just Paper Mario is a game you could make on the PS1. Yeah, you totally could. I mean, there are games that did that sort of aesthetic on the PS1, like Klonoa did. Yeah. Um, there's like a bunch of like Japanese games that did, uh, moon. Well, moon actually is like sprite work mostly, but, but moon has that sort of like clay. Well, it it is more clay look, uh, but that sort of like multimedia, not multimedia, but yeah. But I mean, like specifically the Paper Mario thing, where everything's like flat and like designed to look like it's made of paper, is like a thing you could do on the PS One. It'd be probably a little juddery, but you could do it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the the Halo Infinite campaign showcase was today. Yeah. Uh, did you catch that? Did you watch the video? 
I did I did not know I was too busy um, in my spice nap, which is what I call it when I turn all the lights off and listen to my Dune audiobook. Yeah. Uh so did you did you put your hand in the box? <laughs> yeah, put my hand in the box of snacks that I was chilling <laughs> with. I was trying to have a good time. That's the that's the slow death. The little death. <laughs> Um, the slow blade kills best or whatever the fuck I forgot what the saying is. Anyways, um, Fierce so mind killer. Uh, slow killer. Halo Infinite looks all right. Um, uh, they. So one of the biggest issues with the Halo Infinite showcase last year was that in shaded areas, the global illumination model didn't really. Uh, have a lot of variation in how things were lit so if you walked into like a shadowed area everything would just kind of have this flat look to it that almost looked like a matte sort of plastic or carbon fiber uh surfacing but it was on like everything right um and it only looked like that when you were in when you were in like a shady area if you were in like uh if you were in proximity of like a light source um or under like the primary global light source then it was like fine but if you were like next to a cliff that's like shaded uh everything just kind of looked really flat uh they haven't fixed that huh they haven't they've done a lot with the graphics to make it look better for some reason they haven't fixed the issue of things looking super flat when they're shaded I don't know what the deal is with that. It's I've seen better dynamic lighting models in other games. I don't think it's like a technical limitation, you know, even if the game's got to be on the Xbox one, like I've seen better lighting models in Xbox one and PS4 games, you know, they just haven't done it yet. It's got that look like, uh, you know, the Assassin's Creed remasters that added dynamic lighting. Yeah. 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 And, and you know how they like wash out a lot of detail and make things look like super flat. Yeah, those games kind of look like ass. Yeah, it's got that those problem. Those versions of those games. Okay. It's, it's yeah. got that problem, but only when there isn't like a major light source nearby. That's weird. Yeah, it's really, really weird. Um, I think I have a hunch that their idea is just this looks kind of bad, but once we put the ray tracing model in post launch, it will look better. Which, okay. sure, you know. Yeah. But also, uh, why do you need to rely on that? to have your global illumination not look terrible. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But other than that, everything else visually looks pretty good. Uh, they introduced the Harbinger, which is this, like, floating con maker-looking bug lady. Um, there's boss fights. Uh, there's, like, an, there's, like, a Far Cry-style upgrade tree where you upgrade like your equipment items um you clear like bases and sort of there's a lot of far cry in it (laughs) but it's It's... like it's like far cry if you had like all the crazy physics-based sandbox tools of halo okay okay that sounds like not that like bad yeah, right. it seems interesting. They showed like some aerial combat and like some fun grappling hook stuff, and you know, combat looks okay. It's, I mean, it's Halo. It just it looks like Halo combat. You know, the yeah. only time it ever really shit the bed completely was like Reach. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, it looks it looks like what if you made a Halo Far Cry game? I I, I honestly, it's I think that's a little disappointing. Yeah, because like Halo's strength was being like these really these really um, well crafted linear experiences that kind of uh, really hit these like emotional moments really well, you know like these big grand uh moments and then it could do like the quiet stuff really w- like there's there's just a lot about previous halo games that was about here's a moment here's the here's the tone of the moment here's what's going on we've set the scene we've given you the emotional vibe of it and everything is controlled enough that you you get it but we've given you enough freedom with all these sandbox tools that you can have a lot of fun with it at the same time yeah um, and i love that there's some of the best first person shooter campaigns just ever yeah and that's the thing is like it seems like there's a lot of that first part which is or that second part which is like the whole sandbox stuff right yeah unless there's something really interesting that they do with the structure which currently i'm not hedging my bets on because i don't think they, they can get away with that but unless there's something really, really interesting about the structure of how like the plot progression works, uh, it is not going to be as tightly focused as other Halo campaigns, which is probably going to be a detriment. Yeah. That's disappointing to hear. As someone who like plays first-person shooters mainly for the campaigns, that is very disappointing. It is a little disappointing. The multiplayer was great, and I'm still really excited for that. Um, I'm just, I'm kind of apprehensive about the way the campaign looks. I don't know. I don't know. It could be good, you know. I mean, we won't know until we play it. Uh, it's true. But I, I, I feel like a lot of those instances of, like, really well-crafted thematic storytelling just won't be possible because of the way this game is structured. Yeah. <clears throat> Which is a shame. I don't think it, like, did anyone really ask for, like, this kind of open, like, a Far Cry-style open-world Halo? Because I feel like most people just wanted, like, a good Halo campaign. Yeah, I I mean, that's what I want. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Because, like, the last okay one was, like, Halo 4, and that had some weird gameplay issues. Uh, And then Reaches is, like, Kind of huff and farts, but the presentation's cool. Uh, ODST is really neat as like a concept thing. Yeah, I think ODST is probably my favorite campaign. Yeah. Uh, ODST, uh, I used to really, really like it, and then it kind of lost a little bit of its shine for me over time compared to like Halo 2. But uh, I still think it's really good. I like it more than Halo 3. Um I'd say it's about on par with Combat Evolved in terms of how much I like the the whole progression of the campaign. I mean, 1, 2, and ODST are like the top three campaigns yeah. for me. In my opinion. Have you have you played the, the 3.3 Halos yet? <clears throat> I played Reach, and I dropped off 4 because it was boring as shit. Yeah, that's... Yeah. 4... Um, so there is one thing from this campaign showcase that I think is really neat. I played like um, halfway through four. So the setup, the setup of this campaign is Master Chief has this AI called the Weapon, who's like sort of like a copy of Cortana. Okay. Uh, but she's like 
she has like the mind of a toddler because she's like like two days old or she's something a baby like that. AI. She's like a little baby AI. Um, so instead of like Cortana directing the chief in terms of like characterization, it's like the other way around. So it, it, like chief gets to like throw out a lot more one liners and sounds like super self-assured because he's just trying to impress like someone else. <laughs> That's really not chief of him. Yeah. Um, well, no, I mean, one liners are a very cheap thing, but well, yeah, <laughs> that's um, true. That is true. There's like a bit where the weapon is like, uh, there's something in there if you like, and it's like a scorpion tank and chief's like, oh yes, I like, <laughs> um, but it's just, it, it's a really interesting dynamic because it's like the inversion of the way it usually is with chief and Cortana, right? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So there uh, are some like good ideas <clears throat> that they're yeah. working with. Okay. I, I think I think this is a much more interesting vehicle to characterize the Master Chief than what Halo Four tried to do. Because I barely paid attention during Halo Four. Uh, Halo Halo Four's is Chief is like a depresso sad boy because his blue girlfriend has dementia. DMC2 Dante like type chief. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, yeah. Um there's a part at the end of Halo 4 where his voice cracks. Uh which is like pretty good. Like that's a pretty good moment, you know, because it's like the first yeah. time you kind of hear any kind of vulnerability from him. But, that's interesting. Uh, it's uh the characterization of him just kind of falls flat a little bit because it feels like it's trying too hard to make him a character in like a grander sort of space opera tapestry. Um, yeah. Whereas what this feels like is here's the master chief, you know what his deal is. And we're going to put him in a dynamic where uh, he gets to sort of direct the action this time. And he sort of uh, has to justify what he's doing to someone else instead of being told what to do by a blue lady in his head, you know? Um, which is neat. What, um, like, is there anything, like, really interesting? I know they had, like, a grappling hook in one yeah. of the trailers. Is that, like, is there anything interesting, like, combat-wise in the campaign that looks like uh, it would be? Hey, you know how you can hijack vehicles in Halo? Yeah. Yeah, you, you can, can do, do that with a grappling, grappling hook. hook. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> That's cool as fuck. Um, the grappling hook uh, gives you full air strafing while you're using it, so you can like swing around Titanfall style with it. Um, that's that's pretty cool too. Yeah, you just get like a lot more aerial mobility with it than you do when you're like say jumping. Uh, yeah, you can hijack vehicles with it, including air vehicles, which means if you see like a banshee, you can like grapple hook it and hijack it. Um, you can do that in multiplayer too. It's great. That's that's uh, insane. Yeah. Um, what else is in there? They showed off like a thruster dash, sort of like the one in Halo Five, um, which I'm assuming is is a pickup in the multiplayer. I think it is. I think it showed up in some people's games in the in the flight. But uh, they they showed off like a thruster dash. Uh, they showed off like the drop shield, which we already knew about. Um, a couple other things like the repulsor and whatever uh the repulsor is really cool i don't know if you've seen that 
I think I did. I think that that, that was in one of the earlier trailers. Yeah, so it's a, it's a thing It's like mounted on your arm, and when you press the button, it does like a physics push back in front of you. Um, so it's like, if there's someone like right in front of you, you can like sort of send them flying back a little bit. Uh, it also reflects projectiles. So like a charged plasma pistol shot or a rocket or, or even a grenade, like if it's getting, uh, if it's like coming your way, you can just bounce it back. That's cool. Yeah. I love stuff like that. I love being uh, also, able to repel projectiles. If you point it at the ground, you can blast jump with it, and it sends you higher than a normal jump. Uh, you can use it on vehicles to displace them. So if there's like a pit nearby, you can like toss a warthog into a pit. Uh, Sounds like fun Halo time. Yeah, yeah, it's neat. Um, I'm trying but to remember. Too bad it's like it's in a shitty like Far Cry. Yeah, thing. but at least it's know. in the multiplayer too, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, I forget what else they showed. Oh yeah, they showed off. Uh, there's like a nemesis character who's going to show up periodically, and he's like an elite, and he's got he's got like a normal energy sword, and then he's got like an energy like Tonto in his offhand. He's got, he's got like the, it's like a stubby, the, um... it's a stubby energy sword. Okay. Yeah. But he's it's the, like uh, what's, what's the one in Doom Eternal? The, the Doom Slayer? Not Doom Slayer. That's who you play as. Uh, the, uh, Marauder. Yeah. 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 I guess he's going to be sort of like that. They didn't really show any gameplay with him. They just said he shows up multiple times through the campaign to fuck you over. Um, there's also more traditional bosses that are going to be like the brute war chiefs and stuff. And they have, like, health bars. That's uh, interesting. Yeah. That's that's not very... I don't think that's ever happened, right? Like, a health bar? No, it, it has... To my knowledge... Yeah, it has never happened in a Halo game. Um, even the Warden Eternal in Halo 5 was, like, all visual cues. He didn't have a health bar. Yeah. Uh... <clears throat> What else did they show? You can like liberate bases and then you can have the Pelican guy like drop off vehicles for you. So if you want like a wasp, he'll like drop a wasp. Um, you can find like Marines that have been captured out in the field and you can like free them and then they'll like hop in your warthog. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the combat looks fun. Like. I don't know. It just I I'm I just, check it out on Game Pass, right? Like yeah, the structure is the thing that's like I don't know. I don't know if it's gonna work out. Yeah. yeah, I don't either. I don't know how I feel about that. I've been wanting to like play another good like first person shooter campaign. I've been thinking about like going back to Half Life or something, just like a classic that I know is gonna be uh, good. Have you ever played like the the Riddick? fps games no i haven't you should they're really good okay okay yeah they're both on steam i think uh escape from butcher bay and dark athena okay yeah i might check those out i think they're on steam maybe they're not on steam actually i thought they were but maybe they've been delisted maybe they're on gog let me see. 
Are they old? Like, what? What? How old are they? Like, uh, the first one was like a late original Xbox game, and the second one was a 360 game that also included a remaster of the first game. So this is so like post Half Life Two. Uh, what year? June first, two thousand four. So that might have actually been just before Half Life Two. Okay. Let me see. And the second one definitely like in that era uh half-life 2 was november of 04 so yes it was before half-life 2 okay so this would have been around the doom 3 era i've also like been really really wanting to replay the metal gear solid trilogy um and then maybe four (laughs) i like four but four four has problems on original hardware that's really what the issue is with it yeah, and the, I don't know if PS3 emulation. <laughs> if you have the beef, you can totally emulate it well because PS3 emulation is good. It just requires like a lot of hardware overhead. Yeah, I don't know how much beef beef I got, but yeah, I haven't but yeah, really uh, tried Escape yet. Escape from Butcher Bay and uh, Assault on Dark Athena. Um, Assault on Dark Athena, I believe, includes. Oh, it looks like it is on GOG. Okay. Let's see. Oh, the front page of GOG is advertising me Subverse. <laughs> is it not? It's Riddick. Is it no longer on GOG? Did it get delisted? It totally got delisted. What the fuck? It used was to be on GOG. Was there some sort of rights thing? The GOG version of the game was removed in March 2017. Yeah, I guess there was a rights thing. Um... That's, huh, okay, well. Here it is on myabandonware.com. Yeah, there was a GOG version, so you can probably find, like, a GOG installer that's just packaged and ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, know, I know where to look. Um, I'm a resourceful girl. Yeah. I know where to uh, find stuff. Yeah, so if I remember right, uh, Dark Athena includes a remaster of the first game that is just a better version of the first game. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Here. Did you ever play that Spider-Man game for the PS One and N sixty four? Uh, that also had a PC port, I think. Did it? And a Dreamcast. That's the one with like Venom and Carnage in it, right? Yeah. Yeah. That game is cool. Yeah, that game is cool. I played it on the N sixty four as a kid, and it didn't have cutscenes. It had like weird, like motion comic cutscenes that were like just screenshots from the ps1 fmvs that's weird but i think the ps1 version is probably like the best either that or the dreamcast uh did you see that uh mahjong soul is doing an akagi crossover what does that mean uh akagi is a manga about mahjong okay Oh, it's like um, it's the guy that did what's that other one about like Kaiji. gambling? Kaiji, yeah, yeah, it's the same. Uh, yeah, yeah, same I know thing, about this. Yeah. yeah, so they're doing a crossover right now, and it, it includes the weird uh, mahjong uh, 
sub game thing from the manga that you play with like clear tiles. Okay. So three. So in Mahjong, almost every every tile is like a four of set. Uh, so the way it works in Akagi is three of every four uh, are clear. So three three quarters of the entire Mahjong set are clear tiles, so your opponents can see what they are. Uh, by the way, Muvlov is half off right now. <laughs> okay, thank you. Yeah. I will consider it. <laughs> All, all the titles are actually half off because of the uh, anime promotion stuff currently. Um, so there's Muvlov Extra and Muvlov Unlimited. Or Mo- yeah, Muvlov Extra and Muvlov Unlimited is like the first game. Uh, and then Muvlov Alternative is the second game and it's like the size of both of those two combined. It's, it's, it's long. <laughs> um... Yeah, all you need to know about Muvlov going into it is that it is a high school dating sim. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of those. Don't worry. There is more. Okay. That's that's all I'm going to say. Um So basically what it wants you to do is there's two main girls and like three side girls, right? Uh, It wants you to do the two routes for the two main girls. And then move on to Unlimited. So do that, and then you're good to go. And then you can get to the real Muvlov. What if I don't, and I just watch the anime? Uh, The anime is the third arc of the story. That's where it starts. (sighs) So you are missing like a shitload of context if you start at the anime. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the anime assumes you have read the original Muvla visual novel. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's a, it's an adaptation of Alternative, which is the third chapter. Um, um, Age of Empires 4 comes out this Wednesday. Yeah, uh, it's like the best reviewed RTS in years, apparently. It looks really good. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm hearing I'm gonna, very, very I'm, good things about it. I'm going to pre-install it tonight. It's 98 gigs. Yeah. That's huge. That's a, Holy shit. Or no, 93. But that's still very big. For an RTS game, yeah, that's pretty huge. It must be like a um, lot of like cutscenes or something. Either that or like... I don't know. I don't know what could make it that big. Video files. That's yeah. the only thing that I can think of that would make it that big because it's a fucking RTS game. Like, I don't even think like Total Warhammer with like all the shit installed is that big. Maybe it is now. There's been so much DLC for it, but. Uh, by the way, I am excited nonetheless. <laughs> there's a there's a promotion going on right now. I should no, it's not really a promotion. It's like an event uh, in Team Fortress Two, where uh, it's an MVM event that's community held. But also, if you donate to the Trevor Project, you can get a medal in TF Two. Okay. Yep. 
Yeah, if you donate fifteen dollars, you get like a little rainbow heart medal. That's cool. Yeah. TF two is cool. I wish it was like easier to. I wish this game uh, was like supported. Yeah, that's 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 what I was it's, trying to say. It's been in the top ten games on Steam forever, and it has like no support. I don't get it. I don't. I don't get it. But whatever, you know. Maybe. I really yeah. wish I had a fucking Ethernet connection in my dorm. Because some dorms do, and some don't on this campus. And that pisses me off. <laughs> yeah. Even this dorm used to, and then they remodeled and they took it out. That's a terrible decision. Why would they do that? Because nobody was using them, is what my RA said. Huh. I'm sure, you know, they're. Their computer science wing was very, very happy about having their fucking Ethernet ports removed. Well, I mean, it's just this one dorm building. Yeah. The engineering dorm across the street has Ethernet ports. I'll just go to my friend's dorm and download games. Yeah. Uh, what else... What else have I been doing, really? It's, I've been lazy. I didn't do much last week. Mostly work. Um, yeah, I haven't been <laughs> playing a whole lot either, except for Fire Emblem every now and then, but I ain't got much else to say about it. Besides, it's just getting really hard. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. There's a point uh, in 7 where like the strategy becomes like turtling and uh, last hitting with your weaker units. Yeah, I had to learn that kind of a hard way. Yeah. Um. Oh God. Was there, like, any fucking news today? Is anything... Uh, uh, have you... I'm considering buying Metroid Dread. I'm gonna buy it in, like, January when I finish all the games I have to finish. I still haven't finished No More Heroes 3. I've got, like, two more Mass Effect games to finish. Um, Forza's coming out. Super Robot Wars is coming out. I mean, I have a bajillion games that I want to play, so that's not really stopping me. Yeah. I just want to, like, clear up some backlog. I still have to finish a bunch of stuff in Hot Wheels Unleashed. Like, I haven't gotten the Unleashed times and all the time trials yet. Um... Oh, they're adding Sega Genesis games to the Nintendo Online, too? Yeah, which would be nice if I didn't own, like, the entire good Genesis library on Steam already. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's been a bajillion Genesis collections that have released over the past, like, 20 years. Yeah, Sega really likes milking that shit. I wish other Japanese companies liked milking their back catalog as much as Sega. Yeah, honestly. And Konami kinda does. Konami will give you, like, two Contra games every four years and tell you to be happy about it. Yeah. 
What are um, what are like some good Genesis games? Like besides the Sonics? Uh Gunstar Heroes. Gunstar Heroes is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh the Fantasy Star games. If you want a JRPG. Rystar. Um, Streets of Rage, one, two, and three. Streets of Rage are good. Yeah, yeah. I just I've never like I've never really played that many. There was Dune 2. It got a Genesis port. Uh, let me see here. Library. Manage. Let me look at my list of fucking Genesis games here. Uh, Alex um, Kidd. Is that like a, a good 2D platformer? Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, Altered Beast. If you want, like, kind of a mid beat 'em up, Comic Zone <clears throat> is pretty good. Comic. I've heard Comic Zone is good, but it's like really hard, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, the Echo Games. Okay, so there's enough in the Genesis that like the Echo Games are weird. You got Golden Axe. Uh, all those fantasy stars, Shining Force. Shinobi. Toe Jam and Earl. Yeah. Streets of Rage. Vector Man. There's a Genesis really port sh- of... If you really want to torture yourself, there's a Genesis port of Virtua Fighter 2. <laughs> that sounds not fun. It's terrible. It's like legitimately like the worst. <laughs> uh, obviously there's like the Sonic games, which like all four of the Genesis Sonic games are great. Um, yeah, I mean, I've played those. Yeah. Uh, one is, like, a little crusty because, like, there's no spin dash. Yeah, one is... One has a lot of problems. Yeah. But, <laughs> like, two onward are bangers. Um, two still has, like, a few problems, but then you get to, like, three and, and Knuckles, and those are, like, fucking amazing platformers. Um... Honestly, I would say uh, Sonic Three and Knuckles is a better platformer than Super Mario World. If I had to pick like a sixteen-bit platformer, it would be Sonic Three and Knuckles. That's probably true. I would, yeah. And I like Super Mario World. I think it's my favorite of the two D Mario games. I like Mario Three a lot. Um, but my first experience with Mario 3 was like the All-Stars remaster version when it got ported to the GBA. So maybe that's why. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, where it was Super Mario Advanced to Super Mario Bros. 3 or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's so dumb. Yeah, but those remasters from All-Stars are, are like beautiful. Like legit. Oh, yeah. Especially, especially 3. 3 is gorgeous. Um... Because three is kind of an ugly game on the original NES, a little bit. I think it it's, is, yeah. It's 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 trying to punch above its weight, but like the the color, the the number of colors the NES can display is just not working for it. I should play. Speaking of GBA, I should play Minish Cap. Uh, yeah, that game's all right. You should I'm also play Minish the Cap. Game Boy Color ones. I have played those. Okay, yeah, then just go right to Minish Cap. It's by the guys who... It's the same team that made... It's Capcom, right? Games. Yeah. Yep. 
Those games, I like the, I like the the G, the Game Boy Color ones a lot. Have you ever played the uh, the GameCube Four Swords game? No, I haven't. It's pretty good. Uh, they even had a feature where you could link cable up your GBA so that you can like separate from the party and like go into other rooms. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and like it's 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 basically. Like, because the original idea was uh, Link to the Past, the GBA port, had that, like, Four Swords multiplayer mode, which got, like, a DS port eventually. Um, I remember that. It was, like, that. a DSiWare. Yeah. It was, like, a DSiWare I I, port. I think I had that. I think I did play yeah. that, actually. And that that's actually pretty good, because it's just Link to the Past with, like, four people solving puzzles, right? Yeah. Um, but then they did, uh, they did, like, a full-on, like, Four Swords game. Um, which is the GameCube one. And that game's actually, like, honestly pretty good. I think I'm probably going to go ahead and buy Dread. I don't know. Probably, if I, I imagine I'll finish Deltarune pretty quick. Yeah. And when I finish that, then I'll probably buy Dread. But yeah, Four Swords Adventures is it's kind of light on plot, but if you want another game that's like Link to the Past, it's that on the GameCube. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's a neat game. There was there was so many like remakes on the Game Boy Advance. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it was, from what I understand, quite simple to port, like, Super Nintendo games to the GBA. Yeah. They had and, to and neck them. might as well, like... Yeah, they had to neck them down them a little somehow. bit. They had to usually neck them down a little bit from the Super Nintendo versions, because, like, there's less screen real, real estate and whatever, but... Yeah. Um, but, like, you even had, like, Zero Mission and um, it Fire Red and Leaf Green. Yeah. And, and then the couple of like Kirby remakes. I love Gen Three Pokemon is like still in terms of what they delivered with the GBA Pokemon games. I think it's probably the best gen in terms of general consistency across the whole thing. Because you have Ruby Sapphire, Fire Red, Leaf Green, and Emerald, and like every single one of those is great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um. There's that. What, what was the Kirby remake on GBA? Um, Nightmare in Dreamland. Oh yeah, yeah. And there's that's also the a remake, Kirby. Uh, there's also a Kirby remake on DS. That's the Superstar Ultra. Yeah, it's the remake of Superstar. But Nightmare um, in Dreamland is a remake of the NES one. Yeah. Kirby's Adventure. And it's like a pretty comprehensive remake because like the original NES game didn't have a lot going on. Yeah. I've been meaning to play that one too. Yeah, there's a couple Kirby games on the GBA. Yeah, Amazing Mirror, I think is the other one. Yeah, that's like the looks like the one where you control like four Kirby's, I think. Yeah. Um, and then there's also uh, there's like a bunch of like Kirby spin-off games on the DS as well. 
Yeah, there's some like straight up Kirby shovelware on the DS, like DSiWare yeah. stuff. Yeah. What do you think about that that new one? The the trailer that got announced. The 3D one. Ago? I'm the, I'm kind of interested in it. Yeah, you know what? The um, Kirby Automata. Yeah, I th- I think it's gonna be a, a pretty interesting. You know, I don't think it's gonna be bad because it's like hard to fuck up a Kirby game. Yeah. They they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. Um, yeah, Amazing Mirror by the way is like a Metroidvania. Yeah, it's it takes the um the what's the one from Superstar, the Amazing Cave or whatever, Cave yeah. Adventure, and it yeah. it runs with that. It's basically like a sequel to that or slash expansion. That's cool. Um, let me see here. Two thousands. Uh, Canvas Curse, Squeak Squad. Uh, Canvas Curse is the one that's like straight shovelware, like fucking. Um, it's a. <clears throat> it's a platformer where you use exclusively use the stylus, uh, and the yeah. sequel to it is Rainbow Curse on the Wii U. Yeah, yeah, those games are yeah. weird. And then there's Squeak Squad, which, uh, if I remember right, has like an obscene amount of like supporting content, like side content stuff in it. Um, and that one's like just a regular Kirby game, I think. Yeah. Uh, do you remember like the co-op and like Superstar Ultra and Squeak Squad? Yeah, I remember. Yeah. That shit, that shit rocks. That shit did rock. Yeah. Still rocks. Um, yeah, there's also Kirby Tilt and Tumble for the Game Boy Color. Yeah, that one was interesting. Yeah. Uh, this, yeah, this is a huge amount of Kirby games. We got Kirby Fighters 2 last year. What? Yeah, Kirby Fighters. You don't know about Kirby Fighters? No, I don't. Uh, so Kirby Fighters, <laughs> Kirby Fighters, if I remember right, was a mode that was included in Triple Deluxe, and it was basically a platform fighter that was just an add-on multiplayer mode. So it got like a standalone sequel on the Switch. Okay, I'm pretty sure it's free. Also, Anyways, uh, ugh. I have like nothing else to talk about. It's been a slow week. Yeah, I got. I've been battling like a little head cold anyway, so I'm. Are you I don't gonna sign it off earlier? Are you gonna check out Forza next week or next month? Next no. month. Oh, I am. I like Forza Horizon. Isn't it funny how we, like, never have any consistency with our episode length? Like, wasn't last week, like, three and a half hours? Yeah, last week we, like, just fucking... That's why we don't have anything to talk about this week. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. most of the stuff we talked about this week was still... Like, we talked about... Yeah. Um, it was just... A, it was a slow week. Like, what happened? Uh, was it last week that... Um, 
the Bush admin guy died. Colin Powell. It was like Colin Monday Powell. of this yeah. past week. So that would have been when we recorded the podcast last week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, rest in rest in piss to him. Yeah. Never thought I'd be agreeing with Donald Trump, but um, that email like I find it so <laughs> funny that Donald Trump his like website makes it look like he sends out emails that look like tweets. Yeah. Yeah, it's just they, it's just formatted that way. Yeah. Yep. Um, oh, there's too many games coming out. It sure is. Too many. There always is, though. Some for some reason, like four games coming out this fall are all like Xbox exclusives, which is I think the first time they've they've done that in like a decade. <clears throat> Is, is that weird? Does uh no Age of Empires doesn't count because it's on Steam. Yeah, I mean, so is Halo and like everything else they put out now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's just weird that like we're getting so many first party Microsoft releases so close together. Um, though I guess Halo was supposed to come out last year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is I think the most densely packed Microsoft's like first party stable has been in ages i want to say since the early years of the xbox one maybe even before that um i started a uh a rewatch of samurai champloo because we were talking about it last week you uh, it? that that anime is fucking great like that it's is good. it's super good uh if you haven't seen it it's 100 percent worth watching like, it's it's better than Cowboy Bebop, I think. I think so too. Yeah, I'm not like I said before. I'm not the, I'm not the biggest fan of Bebop, which is why I'm actually kind of interested in the live action series because it looks like they might do something different with it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Bebop, I think I would like more if there was a little bit more cohesion episode to episode. Because, like, until the last couple episodes, it really does feel like you could watch them in any order. Yeah, it does. Like, there's there's points where, like, different characters join the cast, but, like, that's that's it. Like, it's, it's basically the only, uh, like, overarching cohesion. Uh... Yeah, well, I mean, if I got nothing else to talk about and you got nothing else to talk about, then I yeah, then, yeah. then let's go home. Yeah, yeah. I'm, you know what? I commuted today. I feel like shit. Uh, so that's cool. Um, I yeah. have to. Uh, I had to. So okay. So hold on. Story time. Go story time. Uh, so today I had to drop off my car to get the winter tires put on tomorrow. Right. Um, right. The only catch is that when I was leaving the office, uh, my boss is like, hey, can you take this fax machine with you to deliver to the client that you're working with tomorrow? And I'm like, okay. So I have to get home, unload this fax machine, which is now sitting in my kitchen. Okay. And 
then take my car to the to the Canadian Tire and drop it off so they can put the winter tires on. Um, so that's what I did tonight after work. That's why I wasn't around for most of tonight. Yeah, I wasn't around. I've, I've had the exact opposite where I was, I'm just like out of it. <clears throat> Cause I've been like, yeah. not feeling great. And then, uh, so tomorrow when I get off work, I got to pick up the car and I have to unload, I have to take it home, uh, back up into the driveway, open the garage door, unload all the tires out of my car that are going to be just packed in there because it's like an Elantra, it's a compact car. Um, unload those, put them in the garage for winter. And then I'll have my winners on. And, you know, and then in like, you know, two weeks, I'll have to torque them. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, just give all those lugs a little twisty. And uh, and I'm set for winter, really. I need to get a snow brush. I don't have one right now. I don't know where I put mine. Um, I need to get a snow brush and a scraper. How much? How much snow do you get in Alabama? Uh, it's pretty far south. I don't. I guess you don't get too much. Um, when we do, it's like we got a bunch last year. Um, around the same time that you know, like Texas did. Yeah. And okay, it was a big what, thing, what, and it's a lot what, like that. What unit of measure do you use for your snow? Uh, inches, I think. Yeah, we we use feet. Okay, that's <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, um, yeah, it's uh, uh, so there's this wonderful invention called a snowblower. Uh, some call it a snow thrower. Okay. And uh, it's basically essential for living here because uh, you will not get out of your driveway without one. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we don't we don't have that. Um, people like panic whenever there's snow. Yeah. It's it's like. It's it's Alabama. Everyone's driving lifted trucks. What's the problem with snow? That's, I mean, that's a, that's a good point, but, uh, it just scares people. Yeah. Um. It scares people real bad. Um, I don't, I, I don't really know why. But no badness. I know when I worked at Walmart that as soon as it snowed, everyone would just come like straight to Walmart, pull all the milk, bread and everything off the shelves and just like. Yeah, here got, here when it snows, it's just business as usual. We got it like really bad last February when that winter storm came through, and that was that was pretty rough. But it wasn't even probably not even that much snow compared to like what you guys are used to. Yeah, the problem isn't even really snow because like in terms of like infrastructure, snow is easy to manage. Like we've invented the snowplow, you know, but. Right. One eight hundred, Mister Plow. That name again the, is Mister. The problem, Plow. the problem is ice infrastructurally. Not just That's, because yeah. like it's it's bad driving conditions, but also because it like destroys the roads. Um, because guess what? Asphalt isn't made to go below freezing. It's just not. It's not. Yeah. 
Um, there are other compounds that have been invented that are actually cheaper than paving with asphalt, but you'd have to buy a whole bunch of new equipment to do that, and they're not going to do that. So, you know, we can't make our roads out of recycled bottles because nobody wants to make the new construction equipment or purchase the new construction equipment for it. So only Europe gets the cool recycled bottle roads. We don't we don't get anything. Let me uh, – this will give you some context <laughs> for, like, weather in the south, right? Yeah. Like down here. It hit 65 degrees recently. Okay. And people started wearing, like, heavy jackets. I need to calculate what that is. Hang on a second. Oh, in Celsius? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's eight, 18? That's, like, not even sweater weather. What the fuck? That's, like... Like, in Alabama, like, that's that's fall. That's that's what autumn is like. It's... And, okay, yeah. so when, when I went to drop off my car, it was, like, below 10 degrees Celsius, which is, like, 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. Um, the lows have been around... Um, like the high 60s. Um, sometimes, and what's kind of happening this year is we aren't really even having a fall. Like, you'll just see trees just go from, like, green to not having leaves on them. Yeah. Like, there, like sometimes in Alabama, there won't even be, like, a fall phase. We've been, we've been having a really long fall here. Like, we've had, like, the, the whole stretch of, like, the trees changing colors and everything. Um, the trees have, like, barely started to change colors now. And some of them have, like, like I said, just completely decided, or just completely, like, all the leaves have just fallen off already. But Yeah, we're um actually kind of due for the wintry weather. Normally we see it earlier. <laughs> um, normally we see it earlier in, like, October. Um, and October is almost over and hasn't snowed yet, which is uh rare for around here um oh there's a bunch of new vans hello kitty crossover stuff cool uh yeah it's just i don't know today was the first day where i actually felt cold um so like towards the end of october and it's like just now the first day where it felt cold outside is uh pretty rare usually there's snow on the ground already i mean i say it felt cold outside the other day and it was like it was like what like uh, 50 degrees 58 degrees like low 60s fahrenheit yeah so i went so the days when I commute, I go, I stop at the office first and then I spend about an hour there just like doing paperwork and <clears throat> catching up on stuff with my coworkers and whatever. And then, uh, after that I go to the pulp mill, which is like just down the road. Um, right. so when you get to the pulp mill, there's like a fence and like a security booth. So you park in front of the security booth, you get out, you lock your doors, you know, whatever get out of your car uh you go into the security booth you sign in sanitize your hands the whole shebang and then there's still like an entire like industrial lot that you have to like walk across before you can get into the actual building oh um, yeah so if you're an actual mill employee 
they just let you in. There's like a there's like a mill employee parking lot, right? Um, but if you're a contractor like me, you have to park outside. You have to walk all the way over. So I'm like walking all the way over in this big empty lot, and it's also like a rail yard because they have like a they have like a private train that they use to move like storage cars around, and so they shut those around to fill them up with like uh, pulp and paper and also uh they have ones that come in with like the various chemicals and products and stuff that they need to make the stuff um so there's also like a big open rail yard that you walk through when you when you go there uh so it's just like a big open space so it's always very windy and normally the wind is like warm at least the last few months it's been warm right and today it was like super chilly and i was like okay so by the time i got in the building i was like okay it's starting to feel like jacket weather you know um because I was just wearing like a like a button up shirt and some slacks, and some work yeah. boots. I have a friend from uh, Chicago, and she was like, "I don't know why everyone is like, oh my god, it's so cold." And it's like because it's it's like fall. It's like when like this is what like cold in Alabama is like. I mean, you yeah. saw what summer was like. It was like ninety eight degrees <laughs> every day. You know what I mean? Like. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, here in the summer it gets to like uh, it can get to like 104 in the summer here. Fahrenheit? Do you do, just do yeah, the conversion? Fahrenheit. Yeah, I mean, it can get like that down here too. And then in the, just, it, it just... the, in the winter with in the winter with the wind chill, it can get to minus. Uh, let's say for Fahrenheit, minus 58. That's insane. Yeah, um... welcome to fucking Mars. Um... <laughs> It's amazing that anything can live here. Like, the fall in Alabama is, like, just summer, but with, like, a cool breeze. So without the wind chill, it's closer to, uh... Without the wind chill, it's closer to, like, minus 40, which is also minus 40 Fahrenheit. Which is still pretty cold. But with the wind chill, you get that minus 50. That's, like... Diesel engines will not start. Yeah. Yeah. That's... There were there were days, like... So, you know, in some places, they have snow days, where the snow is so bad that the buses can't run and the kids can't go to school. Yeah, so this yeah we have that when we have yeah. snow, usually. Yeah. We right. have that sometimes when we have rain, because the, the school boards are like, fucking shut it down. Yeah, um, here we have cold days <laughs> where the buses won't start <laughs> despite That's the insane. fuel additives and the block heater and the fucking winterized uh, fucking engines and shit. They've tried everything. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, it's it's nuts. Um, but yeah, the temperature range here is just insane. It's we're talking like some of the coldest temperatures in the winter, and then some of the hottest in the summer. Like it's just well, no, maybe not some of the hottest, but pretty hot um, during the dog days of summer. It's uh, it's wild. And this is like near a moderating body of water. Like if you go further, 
like uh here's another example so uh i've been to alberta in the summer right alberta is a terrible place don't go there but anyway um i've been to alberta in the summer and i shit you not uh i got up in the morning at like 6 a.m there was frost on the grass in july by <clears throat> b- by noon it was like 100 degrees how humid does it get in alberta extremely okay it's, it's big so, and flat you're basically in a floodplain so that's that's what alabama is like <laughs> is that I, and i know that's like the that's the most like cheesiest like southern thing to say like it's not the heat it's the humidity but like it is it's yeah in the summer here in Alabama, and especially if you go further south, like into Florida, you you will oh, just step out into I, like I've been to I've been to Florida in the late spring, and I've been to Tennessee in the late spring. Um, Florida was pretty rough. Uh, Tennessee, right on like the Mississippi River, uh, in like late spring, is already like agonizing. I cannot yeah. imagine what it's like to live in Memphis, Tennessee, in the middle of summer. In the it's it's yeah. One time we were doing a road trip. We had went out west and we drove from Arkansas. No, we drove from Arizona all the way to Arkansas. And by the time we got out of the car in that road trip, or like when we got out of the car, it felt like we were stepping out into like like thicker air like you could just feel it because we had been in the car for so long between arizona and arkansas that you know it just got it, it just gets a lot more humid in arkansas yeah. and it, I, I could just tell the difference speaking of memphis i don't i don't know how much you know about that city <clears throat> but have you seen like the the pattern of gentrification in memphis because it's like really weird is it not the usual pattern of gentrification in southern cities no, because normally what you see is you see, like, the inner city, which is, like, a circular-ish bubble in the middle, and then you have, like, suburbs surrounding it, and then the, <laughs> as the little further out you go, the nicer the neighborhoods get, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the way That's... Memphis works is uh, the, the ghetto formed, like, a U-shape, and, like, in the middle of that U-shape was, like, some really, 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 really upscale neighborhoods. Like, sh- like where Elvis lived, basically, right? Yeah. Um, and so, at one point, uh, everybody, like, all the, all the upscale, like, homes there, everybody just left because they were tired of being, like, surrounded by ghetto on all sides. And they went, like, to the top of this, like, hilly area that's, like, a little further out of the city. Um, so, Memphis has, like, this weird like ghetto u and then in the middle of that u is like the semi ghetto area but it's also like industrial and some other stuff yeah um, and and also like the downtown like the stadiums and the you know auditoriums and bars and all of that is like in there too and then like often its own little world is like where all the rich people live it's that's, super weird that's kind of how nashville is <laughs> Um, except Nashville is just, like, Nashville just has, like, so much of, like, like, really poor neighborhoods right next to, like, like, Nashville, it doesn't even have, like, feel like, doesn't even really feel like it has a separation until you get, like, into the suburbs. Yeah. So I have, just, I, have like, a, <clears throat> I have a cousin in Tennessee who lives in Memphis, 
and uh, he he was in a fraternity in in college, and uh, so where the frat houses were built used to be in like that central upscale area, um, but they were on like the outer rim of it when they were built, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So now the frat houses are like just in the ghetto. <laughs> it's really yeah. fucking weird. <laughs> I've I've seen some towns like that. <laughs> and uh, so the Memphis PD, if you've ever seen it, um, it's basically like a, a decent ish sized building, but really most of it is just like this colossal parking lot that goes all the way around it. Yeah. Um, and it's just police cars filling that entire parking lot. And then what they do is essentially what they try to do is at night, uh, they try to like establish a perimeter between like the downtown area and the ghetto. So there's just like a U of like position police cars. And if they see anything suspicious heading into the downtown area, they start flagging it down. It's like, <clears throat> it's so weird. <laughs> There's a lot of, like, there's just something about those, like, like really big sort of Rust Belt cities like that. Like, I mean, Huntsville yeah. is one of those. Yeah, and the other thing is, like, because of that very U- much the same way. Because of that U-shape, if you hear, like, a gunshot, you don't know if that's, like, two blocks over or on the other side of town. Yeah. <laughs> it's It's super weird. Yeah, very, very strange. Um, Not that, you know, gentrification is normal, but, well, it shouldn't be normal. I guess it is normal, technically, but um, it's just, the way a lot of these cities developed is just so fucking strange. Yeah. 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 You got anything also, else? <laughs> have I have I ever talked about like how much I fucking hate suburbs? Yeah, a lot. Yeah, you, you want to talk I about? I agree with you on that. Suburbs are like the greatest infrastructural burden on our society. People talk about rural communities as being that, but it it really is suburbs. Suburbs are just a massive waste of fucking everything. They're a massive yeah. waste of like space. They're a massive waste. They're a massive waste of building resources. They're a massive waste of infrastructure they're a massive waste of gasoline like because have you ever tried to navigate suburbs on foot no yeah <laughs> you, you can't you literally cannot um so yeah so you, everyone needs a car like and and it's like what okay right so here's the thing right you can live in the suburbs and like you're close ish to the city infrastructure but you're far enough away that you're in kind of your own little rural-esque community, but you basically get all of the drawbacks and none of the benefits of either of those things. Right, right. Um, It's just so bizarre to me. Like, if you want a short commute, just find, like, a flat in the city. It, I guarantee you it's cheaper than the suburbs. 
right? Well, I'm going. I'm going to live in the suburbs of my town um, because it is cheaper to live out there. Is um, it? That's wild. It's because it's a college town. And, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So, like, nobody nobody lives there. Basically, is what, is what you're saying. Right. And yeah. and um, like all of the apartments are. Over the summer, they're like super cheap, but during they like jack the prices up whenever students come in. Yeah, I mean, if you can secure one in the summer, then if they can't evict you, they just have to keep the rental agreement, right? Right, right. So, but my what my plan is, um, I basically I have some friends who live who like grew up here, right yeah. in this college town. Um, which is a smart thing to do if you're going to a college town, make friends who like went to high school in the town because <laughs> they know yeah. they know stuff. They know everybody. Um, yeah. yeah, they know everybody and they know like where to go and the nice spots and everything. Um, and I'm gonna be staying with them in their like house out in the suburbs that they had been living in, and so it just it's just like situationally it is cheaper for me to do that. Than it is to yeah. live in like a student apartment or even one of the apartments that is close. Yeah, but like this, this is also like a situation where you you have like the 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 connections to make that happen. Well, yeah, yeah, but I think it, I mean it's not. It's just because um, like one of their roommates is moving out, and I can yeah get in on that on that rent. But rent in general is cheaper out there. That's wild. That's usually because it, it is like a semi suburb rural area, kind of as well. Okay. Like it's not. It's like, I not really, but it's like it's not a suburb of a like the the town that I'm in is not a big city. Compared, yeah. it's definitely not like a Memphis size. So like suburb is yeah. saying a lot. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and with with a smaller city like that, it's it's hard to even call it like a suburb because it really is just a rural settlement that's near the city. It's just another town yeah essentially right that is close enough to the bigger town to be kind of called a suburb yeah like when i was going to college where i lived was a residential district that was basically inside the city like on all sides you there was just city so it was weird because like i lived in a house but there was like the main drag on one side of me and like uh a quick way to the a quick route to the other main drag on the other side of me right like I was like, just because it's an old city, so it was just built right. that way. Um, which is funny because you you would think this neighborhood would be like the hood because it's like residential, like right in the middle of the city, right? But right, uh, right. it's it's actually like a really popular retirement neighborhood, so it was just super quiet all the time. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I think I think uh, where I'm going, it's like not that far from like one of like the the middle schools of yeah. the so like it's just a lot of like small like middle class families <laughs> yeah so and it's it's like from what i've heard the apartments here because there's a bajillion of them yeah. in this town like when people 90 of this college town is just like these big apartment complexes that have just shot up yeah that's that's how college towns be like yeah yeah um there's a so that's the thing when people talk about suburbs as like an infrastructural burden they're talking about like suburban sprawl specifically right right because like 
if you have college towns don't have the sustainable population that they could just build like a bazillion more apartment complexes where that suburban ish area is right right um, yeah yeah you know because people come and go there's not a, a huge part of what the city is is like people who only live here a part of the year yeah it's not it's not like for example living in like the boroughs of new york where right you know uh, what suburbs mean there or even like the suburbs in florida you know it's, it's just this massive sprawl of like yards yeah and it's 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 different when it's like it's a town that has other towns that are kind of yeah 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 because those are basically just rural communities that are economically economic satellites of the city right um, yeah, yeah. So it's a little different. But even then, like, this feels like, it still feels like super big compared to, like, where I lived before I moved to this town for school. Yeah. Because I was living in, like, you know, I didn't have, I I had dial-up until 2014 where I lived because yeah. there was just no, like, it was that level rural. Yeah, I had, I, I got broadband in, like, 2006. Something like that. I, I, I grew up out in the sticks, but we developed at least our internet infrastructure developed really fast out of here because we had cable infrastructure. So a lot of uh, they just did like FTN and built it on the existing cable infra. Yeah, we didn't have yeah. any of that. Everyone did satellite TV where I was from, and yeah. satellite internet sucks. It's getting better. I, I say that as someone who's actually working with a company that is looking into satellite internet solutions for certain applications and legitimately like uh we are like the target market for starlink basically right so yeah 300 meg on those low on those low orbit geostationary satellites is like really good that's like oh yeah yeah considering you can considering especially because like you know, there are people who work in these rural communities that get paid like shitloads of money because they're working in these like remote communities. Um, so they they can afford like a Starlink dish and the service. Yeah, yeah they could. Um, like my my parents back uh, where I'm from right now, they have they just have cellular as their home internet. Yeah, so that's like a huge jump already, right? Like from yeah, so we had we had satellite for a while, um, and then we got cellular, and like AT and T came out and installed like a dish on our house that's pointed towards the cell tower. Um, and it so it's a little faster than like whatever bandwidth like our phones are receiving because it's like a different, it's a different yeah. plan. Yeah, that's still like fuck though. That's terrible. Um, it's it's enough <laughs> that I mean it's enough to like for my do that. dad to work from home and and for a, a it's enough to the, get by. But a lot of the communities that are target markets for Starlink are basically doing that around here. Like they have like an antenna that is pointed at like a big tower. Um, yeah, that's just feeding like LTE. Yeah. Um. um I mean, you played fighting games with me when I was on that connection, so you can... <laughs> yeah, Robex really saved that. Um, <laughs> that would have been impossible on delay-based. No, yeah, it would have been awful. I tried yeah. to play For Honor on that, and it was not... <laughs> yeah, I bet. 
Which for honor is not even rollback or delay based. It's just like server, like like a shooter or something is. You know, right? Yeah. Because it's not peer to peer. It's just it's not the same as a fighting game. Yeah, exactly. And it it still is ass. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. So Starlink is like like a really big deal around here, um, for obvious reasons, right? Not around here, around here, but like 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 miles north of here. Yeah, you know, and these my little, dad's like remote communities with like a hundred people. My dad's really uh, looking into Starlink, but they still, I mean. It- I don't know. They still haven't even, like, they have, like, cable and, uh, I think, fiber internet that runs along the phone line right by our house, up to the school that's, like, up the road from our house where I went to high school. Yeah. Um, and there's just, they have it there, and they don't, they don't offer any, like, there's no company that's, that's willing to offer it to any homes, even though it, it's, like, running on the, uh, the phone line, or on the like lines there's fiber that runs right by our house and if a company yeah. wanted to we could have it <laughs> but they, honestly if you approach them and said we'll pay for like a pool and like the box like the ftn box they would probably install it for you that wouldn't but, be cheap though but my dad works in utilities um yeah. and he's tried and it didn't <laughs> Wow, is what he said like like there's just not there's no business interest in bringing like any of that to um like homes out there yeah well that's weird because like some sometimes if you like legitimately talk to them even if they say it's not an option if you're like hey we'll we'll grease your palms a little bit to just run it to us specifically then sometimes they'll do that but it depends Yeah, I don't know. I don't live there anymore, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, a, a funny story. So I have a I have a buddy who was doing some Starlink installations at another remote community, and uh, apparently some people were like vandalizing Starlink installations because they thought it was going to give them the five G Corona. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was really wild. And so eventually, what they, what they have to do now is they have to use. Um, you know that that reinforced steel sheathing that goes around cables. Normally, you put it around like power cables, right? Um, they're putting that around like the 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 coax cables that hook up to the dish because people keep running by and cutting them because they think it's like the devil. It's the five G <laughs> Corona six 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 mark of the beast. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It's really funny. Um. Is there anything else you want to talk about? No, I'm I'm good now. I think that's... See you next week, everybody. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.